0: We're using this as an introduction to wearables and how to use them. I think focusing on training load and changes in load is a really helpful aspect and something that we in the sport of running really need to focus on and make sure that we are addressing training load. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining in on the Run DNA podcast. This is the first episode in a series about wearable technology. I love wearable technology. I think it can be great if you know how to use it. So between my own use, research I've done, I even consult with the military often on wearable technology. I want to do this series and share some of my knowledge and experience on how to get the most out of wearable tech and what it can do and what it can't do and understanding the difference between the two. So in the first episode, this one, I'm really going to talk about what the typical user is and what I think is the most important type of information that we can get out of our wearable technology with the current capabilities. If you've been listening to some of the episodes, you're probably picking up that I'm a pretty big running nerd, and I will fully admit that I'm a giant running nerd. So, since the secrets out of the bag, I'm going to share another funny personal story uh, about my uh, use of wearable technology and and my wife's embarrassment about some of that. So, I've uh, been running before, and for a while, I would have about f- I would wear five different pieces of wearable tech each time I had, uh, two different, three different watches and two different foot pods. And that's, not even including the heart rate strap. So I guess it was six pieces of wearable tech. I would go out for a run and it would take me a little long to get everything synced up and doing that. But my wife would ask me to run early in the morning so that the neighbors didn't think I was crazy. Uh, Well, actually a little tangent story. uh, The other time that she asked me to run in the mornings for a while, I started running with a parachute on to see if I could increase strength with running by running with like a parachute on. Uh, but that's a little side tangent. I'm definitely a huge running nerd and always experimenting. And for my neighbors, uh, sorry if I'm scaring you as I'm running out there in the dark, but, um, you know, for me, I would classify myself as a stage four wearable user. And I want you to see where you fall on that, um, and how to get the most of the tech, no matter what level you are. This isn't something that I think everyone has to use, wearable tech, to the same degree that I do. I think there's a lot of ways to get useful information out of it, but knowing what you can and can't is a a big part of that, and I, I think It helps to understand kind of what type of user you are and what are some of the things and what's the goal behind using wearable technology. So before we talk about the four stages, let's quickly talk about the current status and capabilities of of wearables. So filming this in early 2024, there's been a lot of growth in wearable tech, but I think there's a lot more growth to happen Later in the series, we're going to cover some of the details of the main data points that you can get from wearable tech. But for now, uh, we can say that some of the measurements are getting better, but all are improving. Some of the things I really like seeing now are battery life, where I'm charging my watch once a month. That's a huge benefit for me. I get charging fatigue where I have to charge a device every night, and that's really challenging for me just with everything else going on, young kids, businesses, family, that's a lot. So I really love to see the battery life going on and that's gonna give us more capabilities to use more advanced features as well and do additional tracking. Uh, However, even though we're seeing the increased data points and more understanding of how to use them we're still not a point that the wearable technology or wearable device can do the thinking for you and in my opinion i'm not sure if we're ever going to get there without really significant advancement i have to admit early on i really wanted to develop this uh, one metric or this one thing that would tell you exactly when you're ready to run and it might be possible but the more I learned, the more I dove into the literature, I realized the less we actually know and the less we understand. So designing a wearable technology, we need more information about why running injuries happen, uh, what we can do to monitor that. So check out the episode one of this podcast about why running injuries happen. But I, I think I'm a little more skeptical that we're going to be able to see just a wearable device, be able to just say, hey, it's time to go for a run, or nope, you should rest today. I think what we can do, similar to what we talked about in that first episode, is have a personal understanding of how we utilize wearable technology to inform when we should be holding back on some of our running, or when we should be pushing the envelope a bit more. Um, So that's what I really think the future is. And in the comments, I would love to hear maybe what your ideal, ideal wearable device would be and some of the key features. For example, for me, I would love to see a wearable device that's just attached right onto my body and is multiple sensors and it lasts a year and I never have to worry about charging it or seeing if I missed it or anything. It's just, it's on there, it's catching all sorts of things. It would measure tons of different variables from my sweat concentration, uh, could it check out my blood pressure, uh, lots of different things, glucose, could it look at all these different things? It would take all that that, and then we put it into one number that would give me an overall score of where I, where I am. That would be kind of my ideal, but something that uh, I actually saw this company, I don't know whatever happened to it, but it was a company that was looking at um, putting wearable technology on that was with painted circuits and it would last for a year. Um, I never saw much more of that. It's been about 10 years since I saw that, but that always put an idea in my head that I'd love to just slap something on, forget that it's there, but it's constantly checking data in the background. I guess I'm not a very big conspiracy theorist that people are gonna track me. I don't have anything to hide or that much interesting that I care if they know where I am. So let me know what your idea would be. Um, I think it would be really cool to be able to see that. And um, one of the concepts that goes along with this, just to give a little, cause I like teaching and classes and those types of things. Um, for my wearable device that would be ideal I would love it to be able to tell me the exact moment that I have recovered enough that I could work out again. This is based off of something called, if you haven't heard of it, the super compensation mile. So I'm pulling up for the video listener or video watchers a just a slide that we use in some of our courses that shows a super compensation mile. And if you're not familiar with this, what this basically means is that we work out and we're at a certain level of fitness. When you work out, your fitness level goes down for a period. And then with enough time, you start to actually return back to your fitness level. If you have adequate recovery, the recovery is going to go and peak above the fitness level that you had prior to your last workout. So the ideal way to gain fitness would be to wait for the peak of that recovery from a workout and then do another workout. And you would go up, up, up. And this is something that in my clinic and in my practice, I draw this model all the time for people to understand. I should probably just print it out somewhere because it is really helpful for people to understand the importance of recovery and the importance of training load, where if you hit this just right, your fitness will continue to go up. But if you're looking at this graph, if you hit it a little too early, what's gonna happen is that you're not gonna get all the benefit of an exercise and your fitness level might actually start to go down if you don't even recover enough to the level of fitness that you were before the workout. And that's where overtraining happens. So I think this is a really important concept for people to understand. And this is something, when I think about wearable technology, I would love to have something that tells me when I am maximally recovered and ready to go. So a little bit of a tangent there, just going into that. So please share your own thoughts about your ideal uh, technology and what it would tell you and what kind of theory or, or um, knowledge it would be based off of there. So love to hear your thoughts on that. Now, let's get into the stages and kind of come off that tangent for a second. The four stages that we have. Stage one is pretty common, and this is, I think, a lot of people that they just want to know their pace and time, maybe have a way to upload to their favorite tracking calendar, Strava or Garmin, or wherever they're putting it there, Um, but they're not gonna wear it at night, and they're only probably using it during workouts, not wearing it all day, like a lot of us that are wearing it all the time. stage two is where they really wanna get additional data, and they might use one or two additional data points, like they're interested in their heart rate, or maybe cadence, something pretty straightforward and widely used. Stage three, they're going to start using it outside of workouts, and they're going to want to understand maybe some physiological tracking, and they might start to dip their toe a little bit into something like heart rate variability, and the only time they probably are taking their watch off is to charge it and that's okay uh, and then you've got your stage four which is me uh, that one is really looking to get all the information and understand all the metrics that you can get with a wearable device um, if you've heard of a guy named dc rainmaker that's probably their idol i know i follow him and love his content uh, and just understanding all the metrics and the accuracy and the reliability of those and that's, this level may or may not have their own spreadsheets that they track some of their metrics and try to understand and have their own theories but this person really has a full understanding of their personal response and i'll i'll give you an example for me personally I, uh, when I wake up, the first thing I do is look at my watch. It's the first thing in the morning I go and I get a little morning report and it says what my sleep was like, what my heart rate variability is. It shows me all these different metrics, my resting heart rate, my training readiness. So I look at these things and I've learned that certain metrics are truly in uh, indicating how I am. Uh, so there's a body battery. I look at that and I know when I'm below 85% that I'm a little I'm depleted there and I know that that's not a day that I really want to push myself. Um, But I also, on the flip side, know that if I go do a hard workout and my body battery is too hard the day after, then maybe I am not, uh, I didn't push myself, and I could have pushed myself a little bit harder. Now, there's a lot more details about heart rate variability. I'm providing a very generalization here. um, But looking at some of those numbers, I, I can really understand a look at that and say, okay, if my heart rate variability is this, I know that I'm good, but I know when my heart rate variability is high, but my resting heart rate goes up high, a lot of times that's when I'm getting sick. And this is something I've personally seen for myself and I've learned over years and years of using this data that that's how I am able to interact with it. So that's kind of your stage four. Not everyone has to aspire. This isn't like everyone needs to do it. Stage one could be great understanding how to do that. And stage four can be good for other people that are really interested in that type of training here. So, you know, the most common uses for this wearable device has really been looking at pace. And if you remember the old school forerunners, right? The Garmin forerunners were one of the first ones. They were as big as a Motorola flip phone, and they provide occasionally accurate data if you made a sacrificial dance to the GPS gods and waved your arm around trying to get the signal going, and waited for two to three minutes for the signal to come up as you're going there. Then, then you get some fairly accurate data once in a while there. Um, The reason that this was really the first feature that people are looking at is because it provides a measurable way to define intensity. However, defining intensity goes way beyond just duration and distance. And this will be a consistent theme you hear because we're trying to really drive it home that you can't just look at the distance and the time and say, well, that's, uh, that's the same as any run. So let's compare two runs, for example. Both are 30 minutes long and three miles. Do these two runs have the same intensity? Well, at a surface level, you would think maybe yes. But what if one was 55 degrees out, had 1,200 foot of elevation gain during the three miles, and was on a single track trail? And what if the other was 95 degrees out with 75% humidity on a track? Are these two runs the same? Is one harder than the other? I don't know how you can quantify that, right? Are they equal? Are they same? But the answer is we do actually have some ways to quantify it, but it's a little simpler approach because a lot goes into defining intensity. And luckily, wearables have gotten much better and more advanced and can provide a lot more data points. Um, But I still don't think they're going to give us an accurate intensity score for the sports because let's take those same two runs here, for example. And let's say before the three miles with 1,200 foot of elevation gain that you did a big track workout the day before and you were pretty sure when you woke up, but you had an amazing day at work and got a big promotion. So you're pretty happy and you're excited and you're really looking forward to tackling this hilly run and having fun with it. Now, in contrast for the flatter run, now let's say you had a rest day the day before. So you're feeling fresh, but you got fired from your job and you barely slept that night. So now which run was more intense? Was Which one had a more impact on you. And so what we're actually talking about are really two different types of loads, external loads and internal loads. So if we think about these runs and comparing here, um, external loads are a little easier to define and often represent as a percentage of max. So. Think about strength training. When we say that you're doing a particular exercise like a squat or a bench press, we represent it as a percentage of your one rep max. In running, you might define it as a percentage of your VO2 max or use common language like your mile pace, easy pace, or tempo pace. In contrast to these external loads, which a lot of people focus on, are the internal loads, and they represent the effort on your body to achieve the task with the external load. So these are things we can measure, but some are harder to define than others, so this might be, most commonly people think of this as heart rate. That's something that we see. So when we're looking at this, um, we see external and internal loads, and we can't just say one versus the other. With our examples, external load might be the hills that we go in or the speed that we're doing. But internal, you could be really stressed out about losing your job the day before, and that's wearing on you, and you didn't sleep well. So how do we quantify those two? And this is where we rely on our wearable technology to do this, but I don't know if that's the right place to put our emphasis on wearable technology. And we still have to be involved as a user to say, I am aware and I am participating to give feedback to understand how intense these runs are. Admittedly, too, I care more about consistent scores than accurate when it comes to intensity. So for me and a lot of the literature, uh, the preference is to use simpler terms, but an effective way to to define training intensity that takes in a factor all of the load. And that's why at RunDNA, what we use is something called session RPE. So I want to talk a little bit about Session RP because it's it's a little bit of a tangent on the wearable thing. But I think it's a really good way to combine all the data points from a wearable technique and take your own reflection and your awareness of how the the run or the activity went in order to be able to get something that's fairly repeatable and accurate for the true intensity that you had. So what is session RPE? So a, it's a way to score an activity that multiplies the duration by a self-reported rate of perceived effort on a scale of 1 to 10. So if we bring this up here, this is a chart that we use in our courses and one that we have have in the Run DNA app, that when people complete a workout, we ask them to give a score for it here. So, just to give you a mathematical example, if you ran for 30 minutes and it was a six out of 10 intensity, that would be 180 points. Pretty simple, right? If you ran and you said that that same 30 minute run was a four out of 10 intensity, it would be 120 points. So your perception of how hard the workout is, is a major factor in the intensity points that you got for that workout. And you can see some of these match up even pretty well. If you're familiar with heart rate training, you can look at and say, hey, a zone two should basically be like a one to four RPE. A zone three is in that five or six for the rate of perceived effort. A zone four is in seven or eight, and a zone five is in that nine to 10. And we've got some descriptions, you can check this out, or we've got a couple blogs that will definitely reference some links to that. I think it's really helpful if you wanna dive into the stuff and understand it more, please dive into a couple more of those blogs on the rundna.com website. Um, but using the session on RPE is a great way to actually quantify how hard some of these are. Um, So check some of those out. I'm sure we're going to have some podcast episodes just dedicated to some of the stuff. Uh, Now, the reason that I use Session RPE is because this can take into consideration, hey, I ate I went out to dinner last night and I ate some salty food and I feel like I had poor sleep and that's going to incorporate it in. And there actually is pretty good evidence to show that session RPE is a valid way to measure some of the training loads. And this was an article that was very specific to runners and how they used estimates. And the reason that I like it is the point that I brought up earlier is that repeatability is important to me when it comes to this and a user even if i report something as a five out of ten and maybe somebody else reports it as a three out of ten i'm going to be pretty consistent amongst myself to say this is a five out of 10 every time I run. So when I'm tracking things over time, I can compare if I'm actually increasing my volume of activity as opposed to other things that, you know, heart rate. Unfortunately, probably this has happened to a lot of people. They'll go for a run. I had this happen the other day. I was running on the treadmill. I was running along. My heart rate was saying 135, 135. Then all of a sudden I looked down about 30 seconds later and it said 175. It's like, well, that's not repeatable. That's I didn't start sprinting. I'm running the same pace. I'm barely sweating. I'm in a low zone two workout, and that was fine. So we need the repeatability, and that's where the session RPE really comes in. It would require for a wearable device to get the same kind of data. There would need to be so much input from the user, and it would need to monitor every aspect of your life and even a huge nerd like me is not going to fill out and spend all of our time filling out what did i eat how did i feel today what was this stressful is life good is is my family good all of those factors that go into how hard a workout is it would be impossible to be able to do this so That's a little introduction went off on a tangent on session RPE and training load intensity. But, you know, we're using this as an introduction to wearables and how to use them. I think focusing on training load and changes in load is a really helpful aspect and something that we in the sport of running really need to focus on and make sure that we are addressing training load. When we focus on training load, we're really able to pay attention to how our training is progressing. And this is important both for injuries and performance. So what I hope you're seeing is that using weekly mileage is not enough, and we need to take that and break it down and understand how hard it is. There are things like 80-20 running and some of those things that we'll talk about as well here, but we need to understand how we are experiencing and what our responses to the workouts that we're doing. Uh, if you want to start getting the most out of your wearable, you can start to incorporate RPE. And I think that is a great way to get started, no matter what stage of runner you are. Um, you can do this simply uh, with a spreadsheet, with the running a app will do it for you. It'll integrate with your wearable device, and it'll email you and ask you what it is, so you just have to click a button. Um, I find the acute to chronic workload ratios and session RPE to be a game changer, all the way from my first time users to my professional professional runners. I think it's a big thing and it also teaches them some skills of how to assess both during and after a workout how hard they're working. So, I think it's a game changer and I would say that's what we want you to start focusing on is try to understand how you feel with some of these metrics that you're getting from the wearable devices. And over the next few months, we're going to go into some of the specific wearable measurements that we hope will be helpful for you to understand how to interpret things like vertical oscillation and heart rate variability. So if there's metrics or things that you've always wanted to ask somebody about how would you use this or what's the best way to look at some of the metrics from wearable devices, please leave us a comment. Uh, like and subscribe as well, please. and. We'll We'll put some additional resources to some of the blogs that we talked about. This could be a very long conversation, but we wanted this to be a bit of an introduction to say the state of wearable technology, what are the stages, and no matter what stage, I think a big focus of using wearable technology is quantifying training load and intensity there and that's something that we hope we can all kind of grow together with and see best practices for getting the most out of running so thanks and enjoy your runs like what you hear leave a review of the show wherever you listen and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode Run DNA helps runners and running specialists through education and technology to identify each runner's unique injury profile to avoid setbacks and maximize results. The Run DNA podcast is produced by Ace Running LLC. The Run DNA podcast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can occur always seek the guidance of qualified medical professionals before making healthcare decisions. Find us online at rundna.com.